What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Film Code, episode eight. Woo! Uh, my name is Phoenix Cloudin. You can find me on Letterbox under PA Cloudin or on Twitter at IMHO Reviews One. That's the number one. Uh, also, find the show on Twitter at Film Code Pod. I'm joined today with two uh, of my co-hosts. Uh, Finally rejoining us uh, after a week of vacation. What's up? Say hello to Nick Spain. What's going on, Nick? What's going on, guys? Um, it's actually crazy that it's already episode eight. That means we've been doing this for eight plus weeks. It feels, I it honestly feels like forever ago that we, we started, but happy to be here. Happy to be back. Um, Miss vacation, but glad to be back with you guys. <laughs> All right. Welcome back, man. And uh, also joining us today is... Mr. Nathan Pig, what's going on, Nathan? Hey, everyone. How's it going? Thanks for uh, tuning in and listening to us talking about movies. Hope you uh, enjoy this episode as we talk about some, some big things with Hamilton and the MCU. A couple of uh, Disney Plus, you know, properties there. <laughs> but also, Phoenix plugged our Twitter, so I'm not going to go ahead and do that again like <laughs> I normally do. But um, we had a fantastic guest interview a couple weeks ago with April Rain. She talked everything from diversity in Hollywood to the Oscars to her, her own personal journey. And that's just a fantastic episode, a fantastic interview. She's just such a great personality and is so well knowledge in everything going on in Hollywood. And we were so fortunate to have her on. So if you haven't gotten the opportunity to listen to our interview with April rain, please go ahead and check that out. That's on all of our streaming services. However, you're listening to this right now, you can definitely find it on that same platform. 100%. Uh, uh, I l listened to it again. It's such a great interview. I loved, I loved April. Uh, once again, thanks. Shout out to April Rain. Hope to have you on again uh, someday. All right. So now you mentioned it. It's a Disney sort of episode this week because we are kicking off with Hamilton, which was uh, originally scheduled for an actual theater release in next year, uh, October 2021. But uh, due to the pandemic and such uncertainty going on in, in the theater world, uh, they decided to move it up, released it on Disney Plus on July 3rd. And, you know, it's crazy to me because uh, the original Broadway production came out in 2015. And uh, the soundtrack to Hamilton was literally shot up to number one on the Billboard charts. Like it was, it was a huge, huge, uh, you know, just explosion for a number of reasons. Uh, I have had that soundtrack since 2015 and listened to it and, and loved it and got it stuck in my head. So like sometimes I don't listen to it so I can get it out of my head. Uh, but it's all back now. <laughs> Rewatched. Well, I shouldn't say rewatch because I never saw the Broadway production. So getting to see this was awesome and revealing. Uh, I certainly have some questions. I wouldn't I wouldn't call them complaints, but definitely some questions. Um, 
but overall just getting to experience Hamilton and a Broadway play for the first time that, you know, like I said, dropped five years ago and more people will see it this weekend than have ever seen it in the five years that it ran. So to me, I think that's very exciting. So what about you, Nathan? Uh, Nick, we know we did, <laughs> didn't exactly get a chance to see it. I know well, you're yeah, I mean, excited, just, though. Just to Justin. Was it everything it was hyped up to be Phoenix? Did, did it... Did it we'll, make you happy? We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, and I, okay. I mean, just to justify it too, like we're recording this on a Sunday and it was released on a Friday. So right. we really only had two days and Nick's a busy guy. Phoenix and I kind of sit around more than Nick does. So, um, you know, we have time to kill. Regardless, um, I just want to talk a little bit about, before I talk about the play itself, I want to talk about the decisions that were made, especially by... Lynn Manuel Miranda, who uh, stars in this as Alexander Hamilton and created this play. Um, for those of you that don't know, this play is a little bit groundbreaking when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Um, all of these characters, for the most part, actually, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe all of them are white characters, but they are portrayed by a wide range of different uh actors of color and that's incredible and it, it for some people that's a problem and those people should go to hell and turn off the tv um for the rest of the world that has some common sense this is wonderful um talk about diversity inclusion we talk about it in hollywood and how it needs to happen and lin-manuel miranda casted um, at least his Broadway version of this to be all diverse actors and just good on him for doing that. Absolutely good on him for doing that. Now, you know, Hamilton's, it, there's a bunch of different versions of it. Maybe the one you go to see in your little suburb uh, isn't exactly the one that's on Broadway, but we're just referring to the one on Broadway, the one that's going to be on Disney+. Plus. And just going straight off that Leslie Odom Jr. as Aaron Burr was the best part for me. I think he did an absolutely fantastic job. Um, You know, Aaron Burr's a white guy and Leslie Odom Jr. is black. And he, 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 you, I I honestly think that you couldn't portray him better um, as the wide range of emotions that Burr showed the singing, everything was wonderful. And, you know, I recognized him from a couple of his films like Harriet and Murder on the Orient Express. Those are some movies I have some issues with, but that's no fault of his. Um, And then, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda himself is not white. So I believe he's not white. Um, He's he's very much Puerto Rican. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Didn't want to misspeak and give false information. So good on him for, you know, doing all that. I I, I mean, I don't want to just recycle the tires but that is such a big deal that he cast instead of just having an all-white cast he said no i'm gonna go diverse i'm gonna get so what if i get diverse uh people from different communities to 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 play white uh characters great for him it was it was great to see that yeah actually there's a small documentary shortly after uh the show on disney plus that you can watch uh and uh, they talked to Lin-Manuel and they talked to Thomas Kale, who was the director. And they, they said like, 
as soon as Lynn decided to do Hamilton, this was always the plan. It was always going to be a diverse cast. And Thomas Kale said, like, that was the plan. And he was like, if you weren't on board with it, you got out of the way. Because there, the, there was no, they weren't changing that. That was the plan from the start was to have a diverse cast. And Leslie Odom said that the main reason was because so many times when we talk about historical figures, they are, you know, I mean, obviously they are actually really, uh, we're all white men, but because of that, you don't see people of color as uh, foundational to uh, American history. So he, they made that choice deliberately so that you could see, you know, people of color actually had a, a role to play in history, even if it is, you know, fictionalized. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't, I'm not ridiculously familiar with Alexander Hamilton's life or who Aaron Burr is, but you know, now when I think of Aaron Burr, I'm just going to think of when I watched <laughs> Hamilton and I'm going to think about Leslie Odom Jr. I mean, that's just, that's how it is. And I'm sure that's what they all set out to do when they made that decision. And it's a great one at that. Um, kind of going along the same lines. I think all the actors did a fantastic job. Um, obviously this is a, this is something me and my family talked about a lot when we watched it is this isn't a movie. Like you can't, you can't cut, you can't stop <laughs> when someone fumbles over a line, when someone trips and falls on stage, when they look left instead of looking right, like you can't stop and redo it. Mm -hmm. It's all live and no one messed up. And if they did, they did a damn good job hiding it. Um, it's seemingly, the production of it was seemingly flawless. And all the actors did a fantastic job. There were no voice cracks. There was no fumbling over lines. And you know, you might be listening to this and say, it's a Broadway play. It's one of the biggest Broadway plays of all time. Of course, they shouldn't do that. And you're right, they shouldn't do that. But the reality of the situation is, making a two and a half hour play is a lot harder than making a 90 minute movie. It just is because you can't mess up. And it looks like they had an absolute blast making this too. Like not only making it because, you know, it's just, you know, they do the same thing every night, but every night they perform, they look like they have an absolute blast. Like characters have smiles on their faces when I'm not even sure they're supposed to have smiles on their faces. <laughs> you could just like feel an excitement from everyone in the cast that they're just having such a good time. And, you know, you don't really see that in movies either because you, you wouldn't be able to tell that, you know, Ben Affleck had a great time making BVS. Like, you don't know that. <laughs> no, like he says he did, but no one knows that. You wouldn't have any idea that, you know, everyone had a blast making Avengers and Infinity War. They can say that, but you don't know that because they sure don't show it. Some, I'm sure there were some rough days. But yeah. I, it, it looks like this cast just has a blast every time they go out there. I mean, well, I yeah. didn't... Uh, go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, I, I didn't watch it, but that's something that I've always appreciated about theater versus film is that you have to always be on. You If you mess up, you got to improvise. You just got to gotta keep moving along. And I remember watching like Hairspray Live, and I think they did like High School Musical Live or Grease Live, which, whichever one. And those were always really cool to watch because it was like live in a movie, but it wasn't like cut, 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 which was really cool. Yeah, I, I find that uh, Broadway acting is is a skill, and it takes a lot of time and, and patience and practice, and uh, it's hard, man. Like especially because you're doing these shows sometimes two, three times a day, 
You know what I'm saying? And you got to be on every single time. That's that's brutal. You know what I'm saying? And it, like I said, this thing ran for like the original cast, I believe, was ran for like two, three years or something. Uh, so yeah, and, that, and, that, that's a lot. <laughs> and like for those of you that are listening to this that haven't watched it yet um, or don't know anything about this original cast, I kind of touched on it earlier. You're gonna see some people you recognize. Um, this was like a jumpstart to their career. I mean, Leslie Odom Jr., like I said, he was in Murder on the Orient Express. He was in Harriet. Well, he was in this first. Like, <laughs> he's a very talented actor, but I'm not sure he would be in those roles if he didn't do this and wasn't the star of this show. Or, I mean, yeah, yeah, this show, because it's, it's a Broadway play. And then, you know, you look at the, at the uh, woman who played Angelica, and, and she's in, um, what's that movie called? Waves. Yeah, that came out last year. And then you look at uh, Anthony Ramos, who was in A Star is Born, played, um, you know, uh, Lady Gaga's best friend in A Star is Born. He's in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Like, these aren't big names necessarily, but you definitely, if you're a film fan, you definitely watch this and you'd be like, I know that person from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and this definitely helped jumpstart a lot of their careers. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, even like Lin-Manuel Miranda, because isn't he making... I don't, I don't remember the specific, I know it got delayed till next year, but what's the musical that he's making, the movie? In the Heights. Yeah, In the Heights, like. In, in the, in the Heights that. was actually his, that was his debut Broadway play. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so he, he wrote that too. <laughs> Lin- well, Lin- I know Wells. that it was gonna be a movie, I didn't know yeah. if it was like before or after Hamilton, so. Yeah, it was, yeah, Lin-Manuel wrote In the Heights, that was his first uh, Broadway play. They are now making that into a movie. Well, they did make it into a movie. Got delayed. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say, and I know, like Nathan, you said earlier, that you can't really judge this as a movie. Um, I am going to. <laughs> I'm going to judge it as a movie only because uh, they. Uh, this wasn't a one shot. This, this was actually three times they did this performance cut together so like it wasn't wasn't all like at one time so there's that and then I I think I said also on Twitter that um because there are certain angles and certain shots that you can get in a film that you wouldn't necessarily see even if you were in the theater so that's part of the reason why I'm like yeah I, I would treat it more like a movie but I think eventually they are going to make a live like live action version of Hamilton, probably after they see how In the Heights does. So I don't know, I'm iffy on that because I'm like, I wanna treat it as a movie, but at the same time, I know an actual movie is bound to come. So maybe not. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like I saw that on your letterbox, Nathan. You were like, I don't know. I'm not treating this as a movie. I saw a couple other reviews um, from some other people that I follow on Letterbox that were like, confused on whether this was like a 2020 release the movie like it was just kind of up in the air for everybody yeah yeah and i'm glad you guys touched on it like you guys both said you saw what i said about it on letterbox um i did say like this isn't a movie it's not like yeah it's it's on disney plus it's the runtime of a movie but it's a play so i'm not going to treat it like a movie it was wrote completely differently than a movie would be written it is a full-blown musical and even 
when you look at the big name musicals that are movies, you talk about Greatest Showman, La La Land, A Star Is Born. Like even those have a ton of dialogue. It's not just music the whole time. So there, yes, there are similarities. There are very, of course, there's similarities. There's similarities between movies and TV shows. But at the end of the day, this is not a movie. I can't compare this to The Way Back. I can't compare this to The Invisible Man. Yes, is it more clean? Is it better? Is it more entertaining? <laughs> sure, it's all those things. But it's not a movie. So I can't compare it to a movie. I just can't. And we can disagree to the moon. I, th- I think, like, Phoenix said he disagrees with me. That's fine. Like, if, if you're listening to this and you disagree with me, that's completely fine. But in my eyes, this is not a movie production. It's completely different than a movie production. Though there are similarities, I just – I can't count it as a movie. So it's not going to be in my 2020 ranked. It's not going to be in my – you know, I didn't even give it a star rating. I just said I watched it. Um, and to me, I, I'm, I'm going to go to the grave thinking that. And that's fine if we disagree, but um, yeah. that's just my take on it. I think I will put it in my 2020 ranks just because I, I rank everything that I watch. But um, I think you have a point when you, because like I look at it like this. Uh, when they did Grease Live and The Wiz Live, right? That's pretty much the same thing as this. But you know what I'm saying? You, you didn't, you wouldn't call those movies. And I think m- the main reason is because both of them actually have movie counterparts. You know what I'm saying? There is an actual Grease movie. There's an actual Wiz movie. I, so I think the, the main contention there is that simply because this doesn't have an actual live action counterpart, that's why people are like, well, you know, we got to treat it like a movie because it's the only thing we have for it right now. Uh, so that, that I think is fair. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. But, uh, the play itself, uh, yeah, yeah. let's get wanna, into that. want to talk about that. Uh, I was, so like I said, I had the soundtrack since probably 2015, listened to it constantly, knew all the words by the time it came on Disney plus. So I don't know why I didn't think like, I'm like, the soundtrack itself is two and a half hours long. I don't know why I, I assumed that there would be more dialogue. <laughs> like, I just naturally assumed that this was like a three, three hour, three and a half hour play because you got to have some talking in here. But no, it's sung all the way through. And I was like, by the fourth or fifth song, I was like, they're, they're never going to talk, are they? Like, I'm like... I'm like, oh, that's that's strange. That just caught me off guard because I'm like, I I should reveal that one of my favorite genres of m- movies is movie musicals. That's that's my shit. I love movie musicals. Uh, like my top four right now on Letterboxd are all movie musicals. It's Sound of Music, Sing Street, Sweeney Todd, and Rent. Those are those are my top four. Uh, yeah. Of all time. <laughs> What about like, Stick to the Lady on Fire? Oh, like, those you're are missing my top, a, uh, top you're four missing a movie certain, musicals. You're missing a certain 2016 musical release. Sing Street. <laughs> no. Oh, A Star is... Mm. Well, that was in 2016. No. Oh, my almost, God. Almost beat Moonlight for Best Picture. Oh, you mean that shitty Lava Land. Oh, my yeah. God. One Best Picture for, like... <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, no, no, absolutely not. You're crazy. (laughs) No, but, um, (laughs) so, like, but, like, I'm used to 
those types of, of, of musicals where like there's there's at least a book of dialogue that tells the story. You know what I'm saying? Those are those are the ones I'm pretty much into. And so when I saw that this was straight sung through, that really kinda threw me off. And like it kinda kinda I won't say disappointed me, but it did temper my um, hype because I don't know. It's like, well, if you if you've got the if you've listened to the soundtrack, then you know this play. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, that that to me was sort of like, well, I don't I don't. What are you missing? Right. It's like, what am I missing really? If I know the actual all the words and all the dialogue. So there were a few things in there that that uh, helped bring it back up because. There is a moment of dialogue where they talk about uh, John Lawrence and um, there's another, uh, and then you see like, they don't perform it exactly the way that it's done on, on, on the soundtrack. So like, there are moments where they actually speak the, the sing song parts. So yeah, it, it was cool, but that just, that just naturally threw me off because I was expecting more dialogue. Um, anyone that listens to this show knows that I like to make comparisons. So I want to make a comparison real quick. Uh, Nick has started his Tarantino binge, which thank God for that. Um, but before we go too down the rabbit hole, Phoenix, don't say, don't say anything, please. Cause we'll go, we'll go far down the rabbit hole if, if we get into this. Um, Nick said that Jackie Brown was too slow and I, 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 I see it. I, I agree. Okay. He said it was suffocating. I like that word when we describe movies, but I try not to overuse it, okay? <laughs> Hamilton was suffocating. Yeah. It was suffocating. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not brilliant because mm -hmm. Lin-Manuel Miranda, genius idea for how to tell this story, but it was goddamn suffocating. <laughs> it's almost three hours and there is not a single word spoken that is not in song. Yeah that is suffocating <laughs> it's like going to a concert and only hearing the exact two same songs replayed over and over and over <laughs> like you can say okay well it's not the same two songs they play way more than two songs yeah but they're all pretty much the same like they sound the same they they're long like they they have basically the same rhythm and beat and music there's no variation there's like four different variations of songs it's suffocating. It is so long. And like, you can be the biggest Hamilton fan in the world. There's no denying that this is so long and there's so much music. And I'm all for music. Like the song, some of the songs were really good. They were really good. They're catchy. Like there's, I'm not denying that. And some but, to watch, it in his sleep. but to watch three hours with no talking and just straight song after song after song after song after song after song after song for three hours. Oh my God. <laughs> By the time it was done, I felt like I had been watching it for seven hours straight. I felt like I had watched it twice. Yeah. It was so long. And maybe I just can't appreciate Broadway musicals. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I, 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 I can appreciate what they were going for. I can appreciate the acting. I can appreciate the brilliance of telling this story of what could be a very boring story in a unique way. But I can't appreciate the fact that there's no dialogue at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. That completely pulls me out of the movie. I was on my phone for like 45 minutes during the middle because yeah. it's just, it's so 
suffocate. I felt like I was laying down and someone just kept putting more and more weight on my chest <laughs> like that with each song because it's just like, oh yeah, this is catchy. Yeah, yeah, okay. I've been listening to the song for 45 minutes. Oh my God, there's an hour. There's like two hours left. Oh my God. So that's, that's, that's my biggest concern is it was definitely suffocating. They could have done some dialogue with between Alexander Hamilton and George Washington. There could have been some dialogue there. They took like really tense moments in his history and kind of ruined the tense aspect. Like. Uh, pretty much even let me rephrase like there's no like actual sad or tense or anything other than happy moments when watching Hamilton because everything's so perky everything's so like la di da di da di da di da 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 like there, there, there's nothing where you feel sad even when his you know I, I, I don't really necessarily want to spoil it just in case there's anyone out there that you know hasn't watched it but there's a, a scene at the end that particularly as close to Alexander Hamilton that doesn't involve him, but involves a member of his family that could be potentially devastating. But I didn't feel any sad, any sad emotions because it's all just the whole time. And it's so, so suffocating. Yeah. I Like we rarely agree, Nathan, but yeah, we are, we are lockstep on that one. Uh, like it, like by the, like, by like the 40 minute mark, I was like, all right, look, I got to take a break. <laughs> like, so like, I, I literally stopped it before, cause intermission comes at like an hour, 10 minutes in. It's like the halfway like, point, just yeah, about. I'm like, like about an hour, 10 minutes in. At like the 40 minute mark, I was like, look, I need a break. I'm like, cause it's just nonstop, like song after song after song. And it, 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 it can feel like overwhelming. Uh, but like what you said about about the tone, I agree. Like it's very upbeat for much of the show. Like like eighty percent of the show is very upbeat, and uh, that that emotional part you're talking about is so like a downer that it's like a shift, a complete shift in tone from you know everything else that happens before it. So it's like you go from like really up like because these these are hip hop songs. These are really hip hop songs, so they're very catchy. They're very, you know, rhythmic. And then there's this drastically dark part, and it's just like, ooh, wow, like that. That really shifts you, you out of the whole, you know. <laughs> and I'm yeah, guns are blazing. I'm so glad you agree with me because not not only do we disagree, like I I, I get it, but I know this is this is like groundbreaking to just, <laughs> to just witness here is like, wow. But, it's, it's happening phoenix this is like this is like right up your alley man like i was yeah. expecting you to come on here and sing the high praises for this and oh i mean i, I was, love i love hamilton like don't get me wrong i love good. it well i'm but, glad i'm glad we agree at the fact that like like i even have a friend nick, nick and i have a friend that's in choir and he was asking me about it and he's all in the same boat as us like i've never seen it i don't really know much about it i know it's a musical how is it and i said like look the songs are good it just will take you forever to watch you can <laughs> be a huge musical fan and be sick of it after an hour yeah because it's just so it's too much it's too much singing and you can be sitting here listening to me and say Nathan, that's the point of a musical. Okay, then make it 90 minutes. <laughs> Don't make it that long. Don't make it that long. And see, like, I, I actually like, what? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. No, I was going to say, just listening to you guys, like, talk about it, I, I don't think I could watch it. Like, 
like I love La La Land. I love A Star Is Born. Like Greatest Showman's great. Like I couldn't watch it. But those, those with all those movies that you mentioned, the songs enhance the story. story yeah. There is a story first, and then the song enhances the story. But yeah. in this, it's all song. It's yeah. all song. And all like, of it. I found out recently that there are musicals like that. Like there are straight sung through musicals and uh and like rent rent is one of my favorite musicals of all time much of that is is sung through like even even in the movie the parts where they do talk originally in the play are sung through they changed that for the movie so uh yeah it happens and like and that's that's perfectly fine but when you and i think the historical aspect of hamilton really really helps because it's like well even if you're like frustrated with the uh the length and, and the the bombardment of, of music you're getting so much knowledge about you know the founding of, of america you're getting knowledge about our, our founding fathers so it sort of balances itself out but uh yeah that that just it, it that alone that aspect alone threw me for a loop and uh i don't want to like i said i don't want to get too far down a rabbit hole but i recently binged watch a show called smash and it's all about these people putting on a broadway musical and it's a terrible show like right off the bat want to get that out of the way horribly written show freaking terrible like absolutely hated it but the music literally saves it. The music is so good, it's ridiculous. But they spend like a portion of it, like the entire first season just trying to figure out the book, the story, getting the story right. So when you see something like that and then you watch a, a totally sung through play, you know, it, it, it kind of like, it's like, well, did no one care to, to make sure that that other aspect was as, was as good and as strong as the music because, you know, and the Lin-Manuel is a genius. He can write like a 50 song play in in a day. You know, dude's, dude's disgusting. He's very much like Alexander Hamilton in that regard. But like, yeah, man, I like it. It's one of those things. And if you saw In the Heights, which was his first play, In the Heights has a book, like a really long, lengthy book. The play itself is about two and a half hours long, and there's 24 songs in that in that play. Maybe more, actually, now that I think about it. And, um, yeah, it's just... I don't know. There's the, I, I guess you could say that some plays, some musicals require it, and others don't as much. But for me, the my favorite kind of musicals need a book. They just do. And um, I don't think all the songs work, either. Uh, particularly where he is um, rapping, like doing these rap battles against Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> that just felt too, like, forced in there to appeal to the millennials that are in the crowd with their parents. <laughs> it just felt so awkward, like yeah. them standing in each other's faces. And, like, I was speaking with, you know, my my parents about this and my family, and we watched it, and 
they were trying to tell me like, oh, it's because, you know, they were trying to show that Jefferson and Hamilton went back and forth and they had disagreements and that they were so, you know, um, they were so knowledge in what they were talking about that they could just spew really fast and get in these heated debates. And I'm like, great. That's great. There's a you could show that they're smart people that they got in heated debates without making it a cringe rap battle. <laughs> like you can do that. I'm not trying to say you have to show them dumb. I'm not saying that. Like just them getting and they did it like two or three times at least too, yeah, where they get in each so. other's faces, spit on each other, yeah. like where they're just doing this rap battle and it was so cringe. And mm-hmm. I want to I want to walk it back a little bit where I said that most I want to say most of the acting is good I think David Diggs who played Thomas Jefferson look I don't know this guy as an actor I saw Velvet Buzzsaw I don't remember him in it I don't think this guy's a bad actor whatsoever that's not what I'm saying um he was a little bit too like um what's the word I'm looking for where you like expose your emotions and you're flamboyant he was a little too outgoing and flamboyant like it was distracting um like the way he'd like turn around and which sounds so nitpicky it really does i'm sorry (laughs) i I sound like such a dick but but when you watch it and you just focus on him it's kind of distracting he like Uh, yeah he's way too over the top flamboyant and i'm not saying he's a bad actor i'm not saying that at all i I would like to see him more things because you know he i think he's a good actor and he's he's a good looking dude like i just he just was so over the top in like almost everything he did that it was distracting well i think with thomas jefferson like this part in the play is written before he like before he assumes the the presidency so like He's just come back from France. He's, you know what I'm saying? He, he, he's very lighthearted, you know what I'm saying? Very jovial. Um, but I think he was written in to be a sort of the, uh, the humor of the, of, the, of the play because much of the laughs that, that come through this play are from him. Like, like him and, and King George pretty much, you know, bring the humor in this play. And uh, so, yeah, I feel like he definitely went a little over the top. But I think when you're considering how much heavy historical, you know, stuff is being put in front of you, you needed some levity. So that's that's where I feel like he comes in. Um, as far as performances go, uh, I can't leave without talking about Philippa Sue, who uh, played Eliza, uh, his wife. Hamilton's wife. Uh, wow. I like, like, you know, I, I listened to the soundtrack several times and I love her voice, but her performance, I did not realize how big of, of a part she really played in this play. So that like, to me, like when you're, when you've listened to the soundtrack and then you see the actual play, you, you don't realize which characters are, are a part of which scenes, but she was huge in this. She was like, you know what I'm saying? I, I didn't realize how how much involvement she had in this, and she was she was instrumental in a lot of these scenes. So like, uh, but she she knocked it out of the park. I mean, she was very convincing, incredibly strong vocally. Uh, her performance of Burn was wow. Like as a showstopper, like she was really good. Um, 
Christopher Jackson, who played uh, George Washington. Yeah. Really, really, really solid. Uh, I feel like he he really embodied the idea uh, the idea of George Washington, which I thought was really good. Uh, solid actor, really good actor. When right. you are doing a play, specifically one that is sung through, much of what uh, gets conveyed is conveyed in your choreography. The choreography on here was top notch, like top notch in, in terms of characterization for your your ensemble, in terms of movement. Uh, the entire the entire um, uh, moment of uh, satisfied where Angelica talks about uh, how she wanted Alexander, but she you know passed him off to her sister. Like that whole scene, the way it's done, the way the set moves, the way they all work together in tandem to make that story realistic, how they rewind everything, that is done to perfection. Like really, really smart movement, probably really great editing, but it was done especially well. Um, the Room Where It Happened, Aaron Burr like song. Yeah, uh, I like that. Yeah, just really strong, strongly done. Um, yeah, like there, there is, there's a lot of really cool things. And like I said, it's a super long play and it is a lot of singing. So I find, especially on rewatches, if you just want to pinpoint, you know what I'm saying? The song or the scene that you love, watch it from there. You can at least do that instead of trying to, you know, try this from zero to two, two forty, ever again. Cause it's, 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 it's a journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's I, I we pretty much touched on everything. I, I wanna just reiterate though that like I think Lynn Manuel Miranda was genius doing this. I am uh I think it's a wonderful play and all that, but there's way too much singing. There could definitely be more dialogue because it's so suffocating. And the singing is great, the teaching like ha what happened historically is good the most of the performances are pretty good um but overall too 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 much singing i felt like i was going to my grave watching this but overall just if this was less singing and more dialogue i think this would easily be one of the best things I've ever seen, but because it was way too much singing, it was just, I have negative experience just thinking about it. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, are you, are you still comfortable not getting, giving it a score or correct? Would you be, it's, okay. it's just, it's not a movie. So I, I don't want to compare it to movies. Mm, okay. All right. I don't know about that one. I don't, it's, I'm disappointed. It's, it's written differently. Yeah. It's designed differently. Yeah. If this was made for the screen, it would be written differently. Yes, I, I agree. If it were made for the screen, it would definitely have been written differently, probably presented differently. Uh, but, okay, let's, let's say you were reviewing a Broadway play. What would you give it as a Broadway play? I'd give it like a, a, a B plus, a three and a half stars, and a never watch it again. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's it's good. It's very good. 
they do a lot of strong and solid things, but it is so suffocating and it's hard to go through. It's like going to the doctor when you're little, like, you know, it's good for you. You know, there's nothing probably bad that's going to happen, but you don't want to go to the doctor. Right. <laughs> can, can we, uh, Phoenix on, on post edit, can we get a, uh, a suffocating count, like a ding every time they come to suffocating? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, yeah. I stepped away for like 10 minutes. I'm guessing every time Nathan said something, it had to deal with suffocating. <laughs> That's how suffocating Suffocate. <laughs> this was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I felt like I was digging my own grave the longer I kept watching it. Wow. Um, yeah. I, as a Broadway play, uh, despite my uh, issues with it, the staging, the performances, the music, all solid. Uh, yeah, I, I too would have been awed and impressed if I'd seen this live, but at the same time would have been like, woo, I wish somebody had, you know, just said three words straightforward. Uh, but for me as a Broadway musical, it would be at least four stars. Uh, just solid all the way around. Um, I mean, Nathan and I like to talk about this all the time. And like, even seeing a movie at your house versus going to the theater is like a totally different experience. Yeah. Like I've seen Endgame twice. Um, I think Nathan's seen it twice. Watching it in home versus in the theater is, is a totally different experience. I mean, and there's so many movies like that. Like nine, yeah. 1917, wonderful oh film. God, yeah. you, if you oh, watch yeah. that on your laptop, it's not going to be nearly it, as good as it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean 1917 is a five star for me. Would it be a five star if I watched it on my laptop? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think the intimacy of, of certain, especially the, the one track shot could work, uh, but it is better on a, on a live screen and in game. I saw in game in theaters five times, five times. I saw it in five theaters. times. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't tell movie. me each time you spent 20 bucks on it. You're no, no, I, I had a hey, stub member. Come on now. That's crazy. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but like, you probably would give it like a two and a half star too. But, like, I know, like, I watched it three times since then, you know, on my phone. And I'm like, that, especially that final scene. Phoenix, bro. You know what I'm saying? That How final do you scene, watch a three-hour movie eight times in, like, a year? In game, god damn it. What's good, what's good, what's good? Nathan, why don't you kick us off? What, what's been good for you this week? You know, usually I try to give some under-the-radar picks, maybe something you've heard of but you definitely weren't going to check out, maybe something you've never heard of. Um, I just I can't do that this week because <laughs> I've watched a lot of crap, and I, you know, I've, I've in the last couple – you can rewind in my last couple weeks. My what's good has usually been – like something I watched back in October because I haven't watched anything good lately. So I'm sorry. It's not an under the radar thing. Um, a lot of you've heard of this movie before, but I'm just going to say it. Um, the day before my birthday, I watched the disaster artist and I listen, if you look at my letterbox review, it says this all, but I'll just harp on it real quick. Um, I'm not a Seth Rogen fan at all. I think he's not funny. I don't like him. 
And then James Franco directs and stars in this. And I got a Spider-Man 2 poster behind me. I love James Franco in the Raimi trilogy. I do not like James Franco as a comedic actor. I just didn't. And this is him and his brother and Seth Rogen. It just looked like to me a movie that James Franco said, hey, let's get all my cringe buddies together and make a film and just completely for shits and giggles because I want to have a good time with my buddies. Who, 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 who cares what we're making? It's me and my friends, the boys, going out and making a movie. And that's what I thought it was. And I 100% judged the book by its cover. 100%. I'm okay with saying that. I judged it before wow. I watched it completely. Not surprised. Um, yeah, so... <sighs> I, I completely was not looking forward to it, but I decided to check it out anyway. And it all, it completely won me over, completely won me over. Um, James Franco is hilarious in this film, completely changed my perspective. Even if this is a movie where he did say, um, let's get all my cringe friends together and do a movie with the boys. Even that's what, it, even if that is what it is, it's still good. Um, this was hilarious. If you don't know what this is, this is a movie about a movie. It's about The Room, which is widely considered to be one of the worst movies of all time. <laughs> and showing you how The Room was made. And James Franco plays Tommy Wishow or Washow or whatever, the, mm-hmm. however you say that, um, with the long hair. And it is just Oh my God. It's so funny. And that at the end they like do some side shots with the room versus the disaster artist. And it's, it's, this is so over the top funny. It is, I'm, I'm going to say it. It's the best comedy movie I have ever seen. Wow. Um, it's, <laughs> it's going to edge out Scott Pilgrim as the best comedy movie I've ever seen. So uh, wow, this was that good. It's, <laughs> it's hilarious. And listen, just like Scott Pilgrim, it's not for everyone. Like, you know, you watch this with your parents, your parents probably aren't going to like this. You watch this with, you know, a 12 year old, the 12 year old's probably not going to like this. Like it's not for everyone. You got to know that going into it. It's complete hit or miss humor. <laughs> but if you're like, just like birds of prey, birds of prey was complete <laughs> miss humor on, on Nick and I's portion. So we hated the movie, but if you if this is all hit humor for you, then you're gonna love it, and I absolutely loved it. Best comedy movie I've ever seen, The Disaster Artist. It's on Netflix. Uh, yeah, that's my pick. <laughs> okay, Nick, top that. <laughs> I don't know if I can top that. Um, so, like like Nathan, um, I haven't seen a lot of good movies recently. Um, not good movies, great movies. I'm on my, my Tarantino binge. Um, so Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, um, Death Proof, all okay. All okay. Um, Death Proof's probably the, 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 eh, no, it's not that, not, not the best of the rest. (laughs) Um, so a movie like Nathan said, I don't usually like to, to do big, big name movies that a lot of people have heard of, but this week, because I don't really have time for a lot of movies, um, my girlfriend and I, we, we watched this, we had like two hours, so we had to pick like a quick, quick movie, 90 minutes, and we decided on A Quiet Place. Um, I've heard a lot about this movie, uh, John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, um, the second part's coming out this year, well, to i don't know if it still is um 
but I was really excited going into this. Also very questionable because I've seen movies with no dialogue and usually they're just trash because no dialogue. Um, but this one, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, but this one was, was really good. Um, I've never, have have either of you seen it? Yes. Yeah. I've never seen a movie that uses sound in the way that this movie uses sound. It's brilliant in the way that it uses sound. Um, the way that it like goes towards a character who's deaf and it's just completely silent. I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie. Um, it was just great all around with, with the production. Um, it's a really simple story at, at its base, but I think what they're able to do around it is really good. And it gets me excited to watch quiet place part two. Um, so yeah, the quiet place recommendation. All right. This is I'm not recommending death proof. That's for sure. Oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is, this is rare where each of us recommend a somewhat popular movie. Uh, you're not going to recommend Emily runs a marathon. (laughs) It's Brittany. (laughs) Her name is Brittany. Oh my God. Anyway. (laughs) Well, all, all 10 people that watch that movie can call me out on it then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But, um, no, this week I, I, I too have been uh, suffering from watching a lot of things that I thought were going to be great, and they weren't. <laughs> um, I did actually, I know a few weeks back, uh, Nick suggested Bad Education. I did finally watch that. Hey. Great, great movie. Um, but I'm going to suggest a movie that is insanely popular, but if you haven't seen it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Find a way to see it. And that is Knives Out. Knives Out by Ryan Johnson. See you guys. Oh, oh my God. So good. So good of a movie. Are you kidding me? What is wrong with these guys? They're the craziest guys I've ever seen. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Knives Out by Ryan Johnson. It is a great Fun who done it. It's a great fun who done it movie. Uh, it's not even a who done it movie though. It, 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 yeah, it has a very unique twist on a who done it that you don't expect to see. Oh my god, this is great. Oh uh, no! Stars uh, Anna De Armas, Christopher Plummer, Chris Evans. Strong cast, really fun movie. Uh, Daniel Craig obviously uh, plays Detective Benoit Blanc. It's, it's a great blend of humor, great blend of uh, mystery. It's a throwback to the Agatha Christie murder mystery novels. But I I loved it, thought it was really enjoyable, saw it again this week. One of my favorite films of 2019, Knives Out, really enjoyable. I cannot wait to post this on YouTube. <laughs> this is oh my god! But that was so I can't believe y'all don't, y'all don't like Knives Out. That's crazy. That's such a good movie. I love Ryan Johnson. He no Ryan Johnson destroyed the Star Wars trilogy. I love Ryan Johnson. That nope. Star Wars movie nope. Knives Out is nope. trash. Knives Out is trash. Knives Out is amazing. They tell you who did it in the first half hour. Exactly. 
that's the twist, and it's good, and it pays off. You guys need to res- put some respect on Ryan Johnson's name. We got to move on to our discussion. Uh, We are sticking with Disney, but now we're switching into the Marvel Universe. Uh, the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So what we're going to do is we are going to... Whoa. We are going to spin the wheel of the 23 films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe spanning the first three phases, and we will take each movie at a time to see where, uh, how we feel about each of them. Yeah, yeah. Let's- where, where's Black Widow? You guys haven't seen that one yet? No, not yet. No, unfortunately. Let me. Uh, let me. We just all touch we on. all know it would be number one, but yeah. <laughs> let me just touch on this real quick for nice. for those of you listening on audio. Um, we have a, a wheel in front of us with all twenty three movies on it in the MCU. We wanted to talk MCU, guys. Um, we didn't really know what to talk about. Obviously, talking about all twenty three films way too many. We didn't know whether we wanted. To, we didn't know whether we wanted to break it down by phases. Um, we just didn't know, like, we, if we were going to pick eight, which eight do we pick? So we're just doing a wheel, adding some drama into uh, our discussion <laughs> a little bit as far as what we're going to talk about. So that's what we're doing. Hopefully this is a little fun to see what randomized movies and put us on the spot a little bit as far as what we're going to talk about. All right, judging from you guys' reaction to Knives Out, this is going to be very interesting. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> and let's see where we land. So... Can't tell if it's still spinning. It's still spinning. It's looking like oh 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 yes. Spider Man Far From Home. All right, Nick, you got excited. Why don't you kick us off? Well, I said I said pre-show that there's like five movies in the MCU that I haven't seen. <laughs> Ant Man and the Wasp is one of those, and it was looking like that was the first one. So I'm happy <laughs> that it's not. Um, so I saw Spider Man Far From Home last year opening night this is actually talking about 2019 most disappointing this is one of my 2019 most disappointing movies um <laughs> i knew you were gonna i knew you're gonna look like that um <laughs> it's not bad it's just like i expected so much more um spider-man uh homecoming is one of my like favorite mcu like single movies minus all the like team-up movies um and this this had a high bar. It was the first movie to come out after Infinity War. Um, spoiler alert Endgame. if you haven't Endgame. Or Endgame. Endgame. My bad. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Endgame, uh, you, you know how it turns out. Um, so this was the first movie post Iron Man death. I was expecting a lot of like heavy heartedness, really, to see how the whole battle and Tony's death and you know Thanos had affected the world, and they kind of just had five minutes of it, threw it under the rug and said, all right, let's keep moving. It just, it was good. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio was, was kind of disappointing. Um, I believe Nathan and I talked about this. I love Jake Gyllenhaal, but I think his character could have been so much better. Nathan and I talked about this. I think the trailer literally gave away like 
the whole creatures and what was going on. So there was no like, oh my gosh, it was Jake Gyllenhaal and Mysterio making all the creatures. Like you knew that from like walking in there. So it totally took it away. Like, what do you, you already knew the whole plot. You already knew who was behind it. The, the whole like hallucinations was pretty cool. Um, but the whole cliffhanger was really cool and it kind of got uh, swept under the rug too because of the whole Sony versus Marvel, Spider-Man back and forth. Um, but I'll be interested to see what they do from a movie standpoint. I think I gave it like a B plus, um, but in the whole grand scheme of the MCU, not, not up there. Wow. Okay. <laughs> let me let me let me go before before yeah. you do because it sounds like we're gonna disagree. Um, Shockingly, I know. <laughs> well, let me start. I don't want to talk for too long, but let me start with saying this was the single-handed worst theater experience I have ever had in mm. my entire life. Mm. That definitely did not help. I will say that. Um, the I, I Nick and I become obsessed with midnight showings. I'm a or not midnight showings. Um, uh, first night showings, like opening night. Um, and this was a summer release. So we were home from school and finally got off work. For those of you that don't know, this was supposed to come out on July 4th, 2019. They moved it up to July 1st or July 2nd. So, um, I really wanted to see it opening night because I was off work. I would have had to wait like a week to see it. There was no theaters around me showing it opening night. The only theater was like 45 minutes away, not in the best area. But I was like, you know, okay, I'm going. I took my little brother. We went to see it. It definitely was represented that it was not the best area. The theater wasn't, like, clean. It wasn't great. But the biggest thing was definitely the audience. The audience just could not care less that this was a movie theater. Um, <laughs> li like, literally, okay, I had someone's boyfriend sitting next to me. And next to him was his girlfriend this boyfriend was super respectful very nice guy he I, I cracked a couple jokes and and he was laughing great guy the girlfriend is the most annoying person i've ever encountered <laughs> in my entire life she talked through this entire movie oh, like no. anything would happen it's as if it was director's commentary and i swear to god that's i felt like i was watching director's commentary like spider-man would be on screen she'd be like where's your mask oh he's cute <laughs> Where they going? Babe, where they going? Oh, Ned, there's Ned. I love Ned. Like, <laughs> oh my God. That was the entire film. It was like, lady, shut up. <laughs> and um, then like, there was some eight-year-old, seven-year-old, I don't know how old she was, little girl in, in, in the row in front of us. She was crawling on her mom, crying. Then the mom started taking selfies with the flash on, mind you, in the oh, middle of the hey. theater. So look, this was the worst theater experience I've ever had in my <laughs> entire life. Um, I recently rewatched all eight live action Spider-Man movies was not looking forward to rewatching this, but I did upgrade it slightly um, real quick. Some good things that this film does. It's definitely a fun film. Like this is fun. I get why people love it because it's just straight fun and Mysterio. I do have some problems with how the villains written love Jake Gyllenhaal. Like I said, um, but that ending along with the two end credit scenes, fantastic. Bringing back J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, the both reveals with the scrolls and with Peter's identity, through the roof, fantastic. Um, and like I said, just a very fun film. 
my problems here is mostly all with the writing. Um, I don't like, there were too many coincidences. I think too many times they substituted the plot for a joke. They went way too joke heavy in this movie. And I, like, I can't take it seriously. This is a movie I can't take seriously because Nick Fury's talking to, to Peter and the door's wide open. And like three people keep walking into the, the door and are talking to him. And Nick Fury's like, are they going to see me? Are they going to see me? Uh, how about you close the door? And then it's like, there's that one scene where the one woman tells Peter to, to take his clothes off so he can change into his spider suit. Uh, hello. <laughs> what message is that sending? Let's do a role reversal. What if that was Nick Fury <laughs> telling MJ to take her clothes off? That's not good guys. <laughs> so there's a ton of things in this film that are just like substituted for jokes. And, and, and I don't really buy Peter giving or Peter getting the glasses from Tony when happy's like, you're the one person he trusted. Really? Did you watch <laughs> Spider-Man homecoming? Huh? Like I get that they had a good relationship, but no, he's not the one person he trusted. He couldn't have given it to Rody uh, war machine. What, what, what? Um, and like, also, I just, I want a Spider-Man movie inside the MCU that is not dominated by Tony Stark. I love, even when Tony Stark is dead, he's still dominating a Spider-Man movie. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I have a ton of issues with Mysterio. And the first being that he's just a disgruntled Tony Stark employee. He hates Tony. Really? Really? Tony's dead. Give Spider-Man a true villain that's not dominated by Tony. Um, so between the, the way too many jokes that I can't take seriously and just bad writing in general, um, that holds it back for me. It's a very fun film for sure. And I, I can see why a lot of people like it for that reason. But when you're talking about actual films, like serious films in the MCU, like Iron Man, Black Panther, I, I don't think it compares. Okay, no. Uh, I... I'm going to shock you all by saying that uh -oh. I agree with Nathan. Um, uh, Let's go. Yeah. We're all on like, the same page. Like there are problems in Spider-Man Far From Home, like real serious problems. Uh, but, and, and I think everything you said was, was, was spot on, you know, them relying on Tony Stark, the story not being as strong, the writing being ugh, very joke heavy, not, not really serious. I think my main complaint is that it's not as good as homecoming. Homecoming is fantastic. Like it, it's, it's a really strong, really well done movie, really strong villain. Uh, far from home is a downgrade. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's fun. Sure. But the seriousness of what just happened in game taking place is glossed over, uh, you know, much of where we go from here is is still up in the air. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's got issues. I, however, did love Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, I, liked, I liked everything they did with that character, except for the fact that he was just a disgruntled employee of Tony Stark. Right. Like, like, why like, couldn't he just be a villain to right. be a villain? To be, be a villain. Yeah. Is he like that in the comics? 
No. I doubt it. No. And that's the other. Why even add that? That's the other thing too that that Nick mentioned is that everyone knew before the movie that he was going to be the villain. Like everyone. Like if if you've seen any Spider-Man cartoon comic book, like of course Mysterio. But it's not even like that. It's it's not even like that. Like let's just say Mysterio wasn't the villain. Let's say it was Green Goblin, right? Let's Mm -hmm. say it was Green Goblin. We all know Green Goblin's going to be the villain. We all know that. Yeah. In in Thor four, Thor Love and Thunder, they cast Christian Bale as a villain. Don't say anything about it, but we know who the villain's gonna be. <laughs> the difference is they tried to play Mysterio as the friend. Yeah. They tried to play it yeah. like that twist was non existent <laughs> because we all already knew right, right. that he's like, Hi, I'm Mysterio, I'm gonna be your friend. No, you're not. No, like, you're we not. already <laughs> we already knew that. Right. So I mean, like, I, yeah. like, I, like I said, like there are some some issues to take with it, uh, but I, I, again, I even liked I even liked that where they brought him in sort of as a friend, even though we knew like Mysterio's not a friend, you know what I'm saying? They just set it up to maybe make you ask some questions like, does he have a twin, or like, is the alternate universe thing really happening? Like they really tried to make you buy into a whole multiverse concept a little early and we were like is that is that gonna be the thing and when it turned out no no we're just bullshitting he's just a disgruntled employee of tony stark it was like okay that yeah you're bringing it down just a little bit and look i know that this isn't this is the mcu it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be lighthearted. not all of them are supposed to be scorsese movies i get it but this was too fun this was too much jokey joke little kid humor sacrificing serious situations for jokes. It was just too much. I do want to yeah. say, do you think that it being the the last film in the, what, a third phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, do you think that hurt it a little bit because there was just too much expectation for it? Yeah, I don't I mean, really know. My thing. I don't really know why they did, the, did it like that. They could have easily still released it a month and a half after Endgame. And just said it's the kickoff of Phase Four. We're not going to release another movie for eight months. They could have done that. Yeah, true. And like, see, like my thing too is like you have this whole thing with the multiverse. Is it real? Is it not? Like if you made it real, it would be like a great setup for Phase Four. Like it's just know? so random to like if for people that watch the MCU down the line, they aren't watching it in theaters like us. When they're breaking it down by phases, it's just going to be so weird to cap off with that instead of with Endgame. Yeah. All right. We got to move on to our next choice. So what do we get? We pretty much tore <laughs> Far From Home all the way up. Yeah, so we, sh- we shouldn't have to talk about any of them for that long. Oh, the one that I was not right. hoping for. <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp. All right. So I'm gonna mute myself. No spoilers. No. <laughs> oh, kidding. you yeah you. Oh, you haven't seen it. Okay. I haven't seen either Ant Man. So. Oh, dude. Oh man, we gotta. Uh, we gotta okay, work so on here that. I'll I'll, g- I'll give my background on the MCU. So before, like, I got really big into movies. Nathan and one of our other friends went to Infinity War, and I didn't go because I had never seen any of the MCU movies, and I was like, mm, I'm just not gonna go. Mm. So flash forward to Endgame, and he was like, we really want you to come. Like, you can't come to Infinity War. Like, you should watch all the MCU movies. So I was like, okay, bet. So started with Iron Man, went through the whole thing, and he was like, here's, like, a couple movies. 
because it was literally like two weeks before. Yeah, he, he was up against the clock for sure. Yeah, I was up against the clock, and he was like, there's like 10 days till, you know, we have to watch Infinity War the night before Endgame. Here's a couple movies you can skip out. You can skip out on Ant-Man. You can skip out on uh, Thor The Dark World, Iron Man 2 and 3, um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Doctor oh, Strange. Man. like. <laughs> like all all the ones that like don't matter. So I flew through. I think I watched like three or four in a day at at point. So uh, my girlfriend and I right now are in the process of like rewatching it. I think we watched Iron Man two a little bit ago. Took took some a break because I didn't really have time to watch movies. But um, so a lot of the movies I haven't seen for a year, um, and obviously the ones that weren't important for Endgame I skipped over completely. So. That that's my justification for why I haven't seen them. So don't don't be hating. <laughs> well, okay. So Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, I feel like got a got a slightly unfair treatment because Ant Man and the Wasp, I think, was either the first or second movie that came out. I can't remember if Captain Marvel was first or or what. Okay. It was sandwiched in between yeah. Infinity War and Endgame. It was the first right. one after. Right. So mm-hmm. like. It, it got it, it really got a, the shit in of the stick because it's like here's this emotional tour de force of a movie where you know we finally see this big bad and we see the damage that he can do and he's wiped out 50 percent of the entire population and then we got this we go immediately into this small scale individualized story about these people and it's like it's so minute compared to what we just witnessed that it's like it, 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 it got it got the short end of the stick because most people were like dude I don't care I want to know I want the broad story instead of this individualized personal story so that was my initial reaction when I saw it in theaters didn't really like it as much uh, I saw it again at home a few months ago and it's a better movie than I than I originally gave it credit for uh I felt like the action scenes really hold up. Uh, Ghost was a, was a lot better on second viewing than I than I initially thought. Uh, that character was done pretty well. Uh, this one is more. It's it's in the same far from home vein. It's fun. It's a fun movie. But I feel like they balance humor and action really well. And and Ant Man in particular is is a story where humor is central to the story. Like it, it, like that story can't exist without its humor. So uh, to me, this movie, this movie's not as good as the first Ant-Man, but it has, it has really strong aspects that I enjoy. I really love the action pieces. The action pieces go well. Aside from the like final scene, it doesn't really tie into the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe until that final scene, and and if you see that and then you watch Endgame, it has way more impact. But that's that's pretty much it. Otherwise, it's just a, a individual story, individual adventure that's entertaining enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'll just touch on. First of all, it's great to see Walton Goggins, Tarantino guy. Love seeing my Tarantino guys. Um, <laughs> They, my big problem with both the Ant-Man films is just they're not really all that relevant. Like, you can sit there and you can say, like my my friends in the cinema chat say, they couldn't have done Endgame without Ant-Man. 
yeah, I get it. Like, I yeah. get it. Like, I, I get that. The mm-hmm. time travel is because of Ant-Man and Endgame. Outside of that, and outside the end credit scene in Ant-Man and the Wasp, these movies are 100% skippable. <laughs> they are. Like Nick had mentioned, he hadn't seen them. I could have just pulled. I could have just told him, "Hey, Ant Man has a lot to do with time travel, and uh, here's the one minute scene from Ant Man and the Wasp, the end credit scene." <laughs> All right, you're good to go. You're good to go. Just, yeah. sa- just saved you four hours. Like, <laughs> right. I get that everything can't be the weight of Infinity War or the political statement that Black Panther is. Like, I get it. I get not everything can be such heavy subject matter and home run movies. Like, I get it. You got to have some smaller stories, some lighthearted stories, but making smaller stories and lighthearted stories doesn't mean making them skippable stories. <laughs> there is nothing relevant about these films outside of time travel. Like there's not. At least not in these first three phases. Like I don't like, I'm pretty sure we're getting another Ant-Man in the next phase. Yeah. Uh, maybe it'll gain more in significance in that. But as far as the the first three phases, it and, was, yeah, it, yeah it's they, very minor. They just like I I like what they do with uh, Michael Douglas with you know being Hank Pym and they have like a great cast. Absolutely, fit. this might be oh, yeah. the this might be the best casted like single like if you're taking one character in their franchise of movies like the Iron Man's, the Thors. This might be right up there with Thor as the best casted movie for that one character i mean you talk about michelle feifner evangeline Lilly, paul rudd lawrence fishburne who's a total waste in ant-man and the wasp <laughs> like oh yeah let's just cast a fantastic actor who could be a huge help to the mcu and make him this complete throwaway role um it's just not relevant they're not relevant yeah all right Let's skip it. Let's click it again. Let's hopefully we get a movie that we all enjoy. So fingers crossed for that. Uh, what are we looking at? What are we looking at? Oh boy. Oh no. <laughs> uh, no. We landed on Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> so two or three movies. I don't think we have to spend a whole lot of time on this one. I mean, okay. It's, I think it's the it's the worst. Go ahead, Phoenix. Just go ahead. Universally recognized, or at least it should be, as the worst Marvel movie they have ever done. This is coming up on a because I'm do I'm going through an MCU rewatch this summer as well, just like Nick is, and this is the next one in line. And I have delayed it a month, like one month ago to the day I watched yeah. Iron Man three. And I have delayed watching this for a month. It that is sums it up so bad. Like, and like, here's the thing: it it ties into Endgame, but who cares? <laughs> like, like it, it it is a genuine waste of time. It's like, not. It, well, it it's is not, a genuine waste of time. It's not unwatchable. Like, it is this was, <laughs> in my opinion, it's not unwatchable. It is a bad movie for the MCU. It is noticeably bad for the MCU, but it's not unwatchable. Like you put this in the DCEU, you smack this in the DCEU, it's going to be right in the middle of the pack. Um, yeah, that's the so that's the sad part. Um, I just yeah, this is this isn't even worth talking about. And, and Nick, yeah. you haven't you haven't seen it? Nope. Yeah, I mean, 
if you want to, it's okay. But they did it oh, to I mean, justice in Endgame. Yeah, you you could do without it, honestly. <laughs> well, the the next movie, just like Nathan, the next movie I have to watch in the MCU is The Incredible Hulk, and I've been putting that off for a month too. So here we go. Captain oh, yes. America, the Winter Soldier. Yes. There we go. Finally, something we can agree on. The one that uh, Robert Redford is not in, according to Jeremy last week. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I mean, this is fantastic. When you talk about the action combined with a solid story, it's incredible. Um, this is just like we talked about Spider-Man Far From Home is a fun movie, but not a good written movie. This is both. This is both. There's a ton of great action scenes. um, Lots of villains, surprisingly in this film. And it's, it's a political thriller that has a ton of action. And it's just so uniquely written in that aspect that it's not just all, I'm a villain that wants to blow up the world. And I know that like, there's literal bombs that are going to blow things up, but it's not like this mustache twirling, you know, the world wronged me. I want to take over the world. Like it's this real plot and, you know, the inclusion of black widow in the story works. You talk about that elevator scene, magnificent. Um, Some people are like, this is the best movie in the MCU. Yeah. It's not better than the team up movies. Not better than all the team up movies. It's better than some of the team up movies. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, very good film overall. What I loved about this movie is I feel like, because, look, if you're a comic book fan, I feel like, if especially if you're a Marvel comic book fan, like straight comic books, say you had never seen any of the movies, you just read the comics, I feel like Captain America is probably just the most, he's up there with like, you know, with your favorites. I would say, if you're a comic book reader, it's probably X-Men, Spider-Man, Spider-Man and, and Captain America, as far as Marvel is concerned. What I loved about this movie is that it feels literally ripped from the comic books, just in terms of tone, in terms of story. Uh, like, you're, you're 100% on Cap's side because it's like he's this idealist about what he feels uh, he represents, and you have this this movie and this like Stan Sebastian Stan has never been more badass since this movie. Like this was the most badass he's ever been in the MCU. I'm super excited for Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I feel like this this was peak peak Winter Soldier. He was just vicious and deadly and one yeah. of those one of the strongest villains they've ever had. And how they handled that scene of like resurrecting him, bringing him back to life. Like you thought he was dead. And then also the inclusion of Falcon. Like I think Falcon's been ridiculously underused in this franchise, but um, his introduction was very great in this movie. Well, this was, this is pre letterbox days. So I don't really have a, a score to, to base this film off of, but I know this is going to be up there with one of my favorites. Uh, like single story movies. I don't remember a lot about the film. I obviously remember the elevator scene. Um, this was when I was watching like three or four MCU movies a day. So they all just kind of like blurred <laughs> together into one big story. Uh, but I remember this feeling really like a spy and like, I think Nathan said it, a political thriller movie. Um, 
I feel like it was Scorsese that said the MCU is just a bunch of no nothing movies. It was that Scorsese that said that, or was that somebody else? Yeah, that was Scorsese. He, yeah. he called them theme parks. Yeah, yeah. This feels far farthest from that. Obviously, among the uh, the Black Panthers and the the other ones, but I just remember loving this movie. Um, and this is one of those that I I, I can't wait to uh, to rewatch along the um, along the MCU rewatch. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going. Hopefully, we get another good one. Let's get Infinity War. That'd be great. So which one? Infinity War. Oh. oh why do we keep it. Why do we keep landing on this side of the wheel? I don't know. Because, oh. I think he clicks it once. Click it again. Click it like twice. Next time, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, Iron, Iron Man, Man 2, two is what we landed on. Um, yeah. Phoenix talked about Thor: The Dark World is the world-renowned worst MCU movie. I think this is a very close second. <laughs> awful film. Um, yeah. You have Tony Stark acting out of character. Um, the transition from Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle is awkward. Like they didn't really yep. know what to do with his character. And I don't think that's on Don Cheadle. Um, but like James Rhodes was a very real character and a very good character, especially in the supporting role in the original Iron Man. But they like didn't they didn't know what to do with him here. Um so that was weird. And then I just I can't get over the fact that there's three fight scenes in this film, all spaced out. It's so dialogue heavy for absolutely no reason. And I just cannot, cannot, cannot get over the fact that they cast such an incredible talent in Sam Rockwell. Mm. One of Mm. the most talented people in Hollywood Mm. and gave him absolutely nothing to do. Like, He, that's just not his character to be the the enforcer to go kill Iron Man. Like he's more of the brains behind the operation. But they made him a joke. They made yeah. him a joke, and that is easily one of the biggest um, wastes of a of a high profile casting in my mind. And I will never get over that. <laughs> yeah, I well, I watched this for the first time as part of my rewatch this summer, and it just felt like everybody in the in the in the war room so to speak when they were coming up with this movie everybody threw an idea in there oh let's do this let's do that let's do this and they were like well all these are good um we can't decide which one we're gonna do so let's just throw all of them in there and half-ass every single one that's exactly what it was it was like they wanted to do robots and then they wanted to do guns and then they wanted to make yeah. Iron Man dying. And then they wanted to have him fight with war machine. They, they wanted to just throw everything in there. And I, just, it's not like this is going to be the last Iron Man movie ever. They were just like, this is the last movie ever. We had to throw everything in there. Let's go quick, quick, quick. That's, that's exactly what it was. So in my review, I actually wrote down all the plot lines that I could remember immediately after watching it so i'm glad you brought that up so here are the relevant plot lines that they actually spend time on in this film in one film uh tony's new core is killing him tony and roadie have beef roadie becomes war machine tony and pepper getting together the introduction of black widow tony crying over his dad 
the government trying to take Tony's suit, Fury recruiting Tony to the Avengers, that's eight. Oh, yeah. And there's two villains. That's ten. <laughs> yeah. Huh? What? <laughs> that's ten. For a two-hour movie? Get out of here. All right. Yeah. So, I, like, uh, before everything just went digital, I was I was going to make it my mission to own every Marvel movie hard copy, like, did, uh actual uh, DVD copies. So the first ones I started with were the Iron Man movies. So in a day, I rewatched all three, the entire Iron Man uh, trilogy. Uh, watching the first one to the second one is without a doubt just the biggest mental gap I think I've ever seen between two movies. Uh, I disagree, however. I feel like if you watch Iron Man and Iron Man 2 back, uh, Don Cheadle is a better fit for War Machine than Terrence Howard was. He was just way more combative uh, towards Tony than I feel that Don Cheadle is. He settles into that character a little bit. And, and I'm bit not. Better. I, it's just it's just how they write him. Yeah. I'm not saying Don Cheadle's miscast or anything. I'm not saying he's a bad performance. It's just he they write yeah. him so strongly for Terrence Howard, and then they don't give him anything to do as War Machine. Yes, yeah. Don Cheadle. Yeah, uh, I feel like he's gotten much better writing over the the course of the MCU but in here like yeah you're 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 spot on but there are so many problems with this movie i mean you just listed all the plot points that they try to go over in a single movie and god bless them love mickey work whiplash is the worst villain in all of the MCU like and i mean that's up there with like the dark elves from Thor the Dark World like really really horrible just no purpose just thrown together easily defeated like spends all movie in a lab right. not even uh, aware not even Tony doesn't threat. even Tony even does Tony doesn't even know there's a villain out there right just not even a threat uh i disagree though sam rockwell is literally the best part of this entire movie <laughs> he is and like as as what the guy behind hammer tech that, that that is a running gag throughout the entire movie and it's and it's actually a really really funny role and i think it adds it's the only thing that makes this at least watchable in my opinion yeah like such a, a immense downgrade from the first Iron Man movie. And like, even if Iron Man 3 was 20% better than this, it, it's miles ahead. So like, yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> definitely if Thor The Dark World is, is at the bottom of your list, this should be right next to it. So let's see, we might get something on a different side this time. Nope. Nope. Oh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I think this is in the category of, for me, biggest gap between the original and the second. And it sounds like you disagree. And, like, I know there's some really hardcore fans of this film. Um, that's great. Like, good, good for you guys. Not for me. I think this is kind of similar to Spider-Man Far From Home. Like, the Guardians of the Galaxy, especially in the first one, like, yeah, they make some cringe jokes. Like, that's that's their thing. They're a little, like, wacky. That's all, kind of the whole point. But it goes so far off the rails in 
volume two to where the jokes just don't land for me. They have those golden people that I completely forget their name because they're that irrelevant (laughs) that are just like so randomly thrown in there. You get another great uh, actor in Kurt Russell, Tarantino guy um, who just isn't like he's a living planet. (laughs) but they beat him so easily. <laughs> I think that's weird. And like, it's just, this was, I, I think the whole script could have been redone. Um, this movie's full of cringe moments. I'm sorry. Like it just is. And this is one that I think we've hit the bottom three in my bottom, in my uh, ranking list with volume two, uh, Iron Man two and Thor, the dark world. Great, some some sequels, by the way. Wow, right. great great job, uh, MCU. <laughs> but um, I just I this is a huge misfire for me on almost every level. Uh, I am going to vehemently disagree. I love Guardians V two. I love this movie. I thought it was. I I think it's better than the first. To be perfectly honest with you, I like that. That I know is uh is definitely up for debate. But I, I personally dug this movie a lot more than the first one. I think, uh, especially because coming into it, no one, like, if, unless you were a diehard comic reader, you weren't terribly familiar with the Guardians. So, like, they had their first story, which I admit was great, entertaining, definitely. But I was so curious as to what they could do with the second one because I'm like, I don't know these people. I don't know their story. I don't know where it goes. So to see that they go deeper into space, we meet Ego, we get a chance. And yeah, you're right. I don't remember what those gold people's names are. But <laughs> uh, yeah, we get so more in depth with this lore that I was. I found myself just thoroughly more impressed with their world. Um, I do think they they turn Drax into just comic relief and that continues. And that's upsetting because I feel like he was a really strong character in the first guardians. Um, Mantis is added in this movie. She's hysterical uh, and helps along with the, the humor of their story. Uh, I dug ego. I felt like that power is really interesting. I loved Like He, he, in my opinions, top, like top six villain, in all of the MCU. Um, but yeah, I dug Ego. I dug the story. I thought it was very entertaining. A lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love The Guardians, man. This this is one of my favorite movies. Alrighty. Nick, you haven't seen this one, right? Out of like, what, we talked about like six? Out of the six, I've seen like half of them. Half uh, of them. So <laughs> it's, making me, it's making me look bad. But. All right. We're going to try to do at least the one more. Evil wheel. It's the evil wheel. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get some not shit. How about that? <laughs> if it is shit, right? we'll do it again. Uh oh. Oh, damn. Oh, oh, no, oh, no, no. Spin it again. No, no. Spin it again. Spin it again. Spin it again. <laughs> let's try that again. I'll do so it a double spin. One, the last one has to be the best one. Right. Let's see. See what we get here. I'm on Black Panther. <laughs> Yes, great way to end it. The first ever team up movie, The Avengers. 
Uh, yeah. I don't know what to say about this. This was this. This is it. This is how you do comic book movies. Like, like this. This yeah. was it. You build up the characters. You make us believe in them. You make sure that they they have solid motivations. You present a great villain in Loki. Uh, you you give everybody a purpose. Everybody has a purpose in this movie. Even like even Hawkeye and and Black Widow who are. This is like their second or third film that they're in, but they are given such purpose and it makes sense for them to be a part of this team. And there's no doubt, like, whenever I think of this movie, there's only one thing I think of. Dr. Banner, now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Like, I saw this in theaters. I damn near cried because I was like, I can't believe that the Avengers weren't even, like, one of my favorite superhero teams. And after this movie, I was like, I love the Avengers. I'm like, that, that's that's my team. I'm like, I'm like, they're better than the X-Men. They're better than the Justice League. It's the Avengers. Uh, so, for me, this was awesome. Phoenix, I'm a, I think Nathan and I are going to make you feel old here. The Avengers came out in 2012. Yeah. I don't even think I was thinking about going to the theater. Yeah, watching, watching the MCU movie back then. Um, I was twelve you know, when this yeah, came I was out. Say, we're we're twelve. Um, I think what we were nine when when the MCU started and wow. yeah, look so come. Um, make you feel old like when we talked about the last dance, but um, <laughs> you know, as, as the first team up movie, I think they set the stage great, and and in. In Endgame, when they came back, I loved how they came back. Um, something that I've always loved about the MCU is the ability for it to like interconnect. I think that's something that the DCEU struggles with. Um, there's 50 Batmans, but there's only one Iron Man. There's only one Captain America. Um, so for this movie to, to have everybody together, um, you know, it's, it's featured in Endgame, you know, Spider-Man, Homecoming, um, you know, it's just like the pinnacle things that we keep going back to every single time. Um, that's fantastic. Fantastic movie. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to touch on what you just said. It's so revolutionary. Like people we're so spoiled nowadays in 2020, 2019, <laughs> like we're so spoiled with how much content we get, but, and like, like Nick said, like we were 12. So I'm just, I, you know, wasn't cognizant of this at the time, but it's easy to realize now that there's so much content, good or bad. There's so much we can have. There was nothing like this at the time. Yeah. And this was the first of its time for a big superhero team up movie, all these connected. Um, and, and that's wonderful. And it's paced well. 
It's a solid story. I love that they brought back Tom Hiddleston as the main villain instead of just creating some new guy to beat. Like that, that would have been so lame. Just another villain up. Oh, he's dead again. Okay. Like <laughs> it's, it's good that they brought him back. Like, uh, it really rewarded you if you watched Thor and then they didn't kill him. Like he's ever present even to this day. Like that's, that's solid writing. Um, of course there's some iconic moments when you talk about the camera, like turning when they're all in the circle, I mean, just great. And the Battle of New York, which was actually filmed in Cleveland. So uh, wonderful for for Phoenix and I. But I don't think – or uh, let me just say one more thing, like that little argument between Cap and Tony, how that literally connects back to Endgame, where um, Tony says you're nothing special. Everything special about you came out of the bottle, but that's clearly not true, as Cap's able to lift Mjolnir. Like the universe thinks he's special enough, which is – you know, so so cool. Uh, and then Cap telling Tony that he only makes the sacrifice, he'll never make the sacrifice play. He's only in it for himself. And then obviously he sacrifices himself to kill Thanos and, and ultimately ending himself as well. I think that's such good writing. Whether or not they planned that from the beginning, I, I think it would be a little bit of a reach to say, let's have them say this now so that at Endgame we can do it. But, <laughs> in, but in 12 years. <laughs> right. But regardless, like, it's still really cool that it happened and it worked out that way. Um, I don't think this movie is flawless, though, by any means. Still very good, but it's not flawless. Um, I do have a couple issues. I know I've said this word a lot in this episode, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to okay. say it again. No, no, I'm going to say it again. Some of the dialogue's cringe. Like, it is especially for where they go with, you know, later down the line, Captain America is so pure and so good hearted, (laughs) but some of the stuff he says is just so absolutely cringe that like, it makes me want to turn it off. Um, (laughs) His diet, Captain America's dialogue in this is so bad. They gave him all the shitty lines. They give him the, the dad lines. It's like the kids who want ice cream. And he's like, no, that's going to give you diabetes someday. Like that, those are the lines he has in this film. And also what they do with Bruce Banner is just so like weird. I get that he's the Hulk. I get that he can't control himself like he can in later films, obviously with Endgame and Infinity War, obviously like he can't come out. I get it. He's this enraged monster that just destroys everything. But they were acting like if they breathe, he would turn. Yeah. And it was a little too much like tiptoeing around him. Like it was, it wasn't good. Any scene he was in, it's like they didn't know how to completely, like what to do, what to say around him. Um, So overall though, fantastic film for sure. Um, But I do think some of the solo movies are better than this one. Yeah. I agree. I, I love this movie. I think it's top five for me. Um, and by top five, I mean it's fifth. But <laughs> uh, absolutely a great film. Uh, we got to move on. It sucks because there are so many other movies uh, in the MCU that I wish we could have talked about. Uh, Civil War, Age of Ultron, we'll Doctor do this Strange. Yeah, so we got we to gotta come back and do this again. But uh, that was our MCU breakdown of, of a lot of at least, what, seven or eight movies, uh, some of which not too high on. But <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll try that again. But for now, it is time for Film Code. You are now in 
And Jeremy, who had our film code last week, is unfortunately not here, but he is uh, texting me. So he is desperate to know what you guys' guesses are. His code word was fortification. Uh, his clues were a movie that took place between 2000 and 2005. It stars an actor from The Five Bloods. And there is a Marvel character present in the film. So... Those were our clues. Very, very vague. Nathan, what do you got? What did you pick for, for Jeremy's film code? We went heavy research this week, boys. Um, just like when Nick did it, we went heavy research. Did not get the chance to watch it, unfortunately, but I do have a pick regardless. Um, you said 2000 to 2005. This is a 2001 release. Mm-hmm. Um that guy, I went through the Five Bloods cast, tried to sort it. A lot of those guys weren't in very big movies, to be yeah. honest with you, during this time frame. But uh, the man himself in the Five Bloods, Delroy Lindo, stars alongside Robert Redford. Um, and Robert Redford was not in the MCU, according to Jeremy last week. So <laughs> I was like, well, maybe he doesn't think Robert Redford's in it. But Mark Ruffalo is in this film as well. And that is The Last Castle, directed by Rob Lurie. Um, castle is kind of a word for fortification. I mean, it's a wall, I mean, it's big. It's a wall. You're protecting people. Um, I hope this is it because <laughs> I kind of check all those boxes. Uh, it also has James Gandolfini in it, who's a fantastic actor as well. So hopefully that's it. If it's not, uh, I definitely did my research for it. All right. Nick, what about you? It's funny, too, because Nathan did the heavy research. I did the heavy research. And I got to say, Nathan and I got the exact same movie. Nathan wow. and I always have these, like, similar moments where we're, like, on the same wavelength. We'll be, like, texting each other and we'll say, like, the exact same thing at, like, a different time. And I, you know, MCU, Mark Ruffalo, and Castle Fortification, it just, it was, like, the whole complete package. It has to be it. <laughs> Wow. Okay. And I'll be uh, shook if it's not. That that you know what? I think those are really good guesses. I know I was up to like four a.m. last night, like because I picked the movie and I was like, after I watched it, I was like, this is definitely not it. So <laughs> I went through and of, of course I was like, I, I'm going with Delroy Lindo. That has to be the guy that he's talking about. He he has the most extended filmography. Uh, there were at least five movies that fit the time frame. Uh, but as I looked through them, I was like, this, this doesn't sound right. This can't be it. So I don't know. But the movie I went with was 2005's Sahara, starring Matthew McConaughey as uh, Penelope Cruz and Sahara. the other guy. I can't even remember his name. Sahara. Yeah, it was, it was a horrible movie. <laughs> what was the movie you thought it was that you watched? Yeah. Uh, the movie that I watched was a movie called Heist uh, that starred uh, Gene Hackman because I knew he's a big Gene Hackman fan. Uh, so that was the movie that I watched, but it that had absolutely nothing to do with fortification or neither does Sahara. Yeah, I like the only reason I picked Sahara is because I was like maybe it uh, it uh, had. Something I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. I was torn between this and Domino and the core and 
gone in 60 seconds. I was like, maybe it's one of those. I don't know. But my late night 4 a.m. research landed me on Sahara. So that's my pick. I don't know. I think you guys may have gotten this one, though. <laughs> All right. So we those are our picks. The code word was fortification, 2000 to 2005. Uh, starred a member of the Five Bloods and... Uh, has a Marvel character in it. Does, does the last castle have a Marvel Marvel character in it? Mark Ruffalo and Robert Ruffalo. Oh, like, see, that was my question. I was like, is it someone who played a Marvel character or is it the actual character? Like, you know, does like, you know, somebody watching. What is somebody, that? What is that like, mean? I was like, what you know, so, oh, somebody yeah, Iron like. Man is just coming out of the castle. Just, like no, somebody like, is named Captain America. Right, you know what I'm saying? Or like someone like has a comic book with, Iron Man on it or something like that. I think that, you take this away too, like yeah, literally. Literally, <laughs> we're over here in the shallow end of the pool, and Phoenix is drowning himself in the deep end, looking yeah, for like, these clues. Like Thirty feet. <laughs> hey, he he, right there at, at fifty-seven, thirty-seven. He's got an MCU shirt on. That has to be the movie. Oh, it's called it's called the 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 Sahara. Yeah, that that, that that's that sure. That's yeah. <laughs> oh my uh, god! And I just got confirmation, gentlemen. It was the last castle. Congratulations, you both got it. Woo! There we go, Nathan. You're on the board, man. Like <laughs> I was technically already on the board. <laughs> on this the is board. Some bullshit. Nick Spain is ahead. He's he's broken the code two times now. He is ahead of everyone. That's crazy. So there we go. Finally, we we well, that's two next, weeks in a row. Somebody got the code word right. We're on the road. Next roll. week, make prepare yourself, gentlemen, because next week it's going to be a challenge. I'm not letting anybody catch up to my two. Nobody's gonna get it. He's gonna be like at fifty-seven twenty-seven. The person wore an MCU shirt, so it's technically the MCU. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So that's uh, that's exciting. All right. We we got in the co-word two weeks in a row. Let's see if we can keep that streak going. Uh, we got to start heading up out of here. Nick, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. Find me on Letterboxd, Nick Spain, like Nathan has mentioned in the show. I'm on my Quentin Tarantino grind. Um, still need to post my reviews for Kill Bill Volume 2. And as well as death proof, um, but <laughs> um, can't wait to get Nathan's poster in the back. Hateful Eight. Um, what else is there? Inglorious Bastards. Uh, Django. The other one that I'm missing. Django, Django. That's the other one I'm missing. I know Phoenix. I was actually looking at your list. Good to see your MCU thoughts. So um, but yeah. So. If you have any thoughts on the Tarantino movies while I'm going through them, you're probably going to disagree with me. Kill Bill, I only gave three stars to. So follow me on Letterboxd. Give me your thoughts on what I rank. So that's my my plug. All right, Nathan, where can they find you, man? You can find me over at Letterboxd at Nathan Pig. That's Pig with two Gs. Feel free to interact with me on everything I watch. If you want to throw some shade at me for giving Blade Runner a poor score, go ahead and do that. Um always love hearing from you guys like i just said please feel free to interact with any of us whether it's on our twitter or on our own personal pages uh just feel free to interact and want to thank you guys for listening and this was fun can we please get that printed on a shirt film code 
Nathan Pig with two G's. <laughs> I feel like every episode he says it's Pig, two G's. <laughs> Gotta say it, just in case. I had to say it. I, I need to say it. Spain with an E on the end, not like yeah. the country, but with an E. There you go. You'll start saying it. Let's get that on the shirt, too. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Phoenix right. with a PH, not an F. Right. I, for some reason, I get F a lot. Uh, my name's Phoenix Cloudin. You can find me on Letterboxd under PA Cloudin. Find me on Twitter at imhoreviews dot uh, not dot imhoreviews one <laughs> number one, and uh, follow the show at filmcopod on Twitter. And we will see you guys next week for Nate, Nick's new code word that I'm excited for. And, and uh, yeah, warning you, you'll have to Nick. watch it. No research. <laughs> Nick is our leader right now. Two wins to everyone's one. We'll see if that holds up next week. We're getting out of here, guys. All right. Peace.